You're listening to What's Wrong With This Picture? Freaky Films and Why We Frickin' Love Them. Hi, I'm Lindsay McCullough. And I'm Gary Mulholland. And in each episode of What's Wrong With This Picture, we'll be looking at a movie we think is weird and wonderful. We sometimes do include the endings where it's key to what the film is, so please be prepared for that. So anyway, buckle up and join us on a journey to dangerous cities, suburbia and other fantasy worlds. It's going to be a wild ride. This episode, we are doing one of our regular Two for the Price of Ones, where we are looking at two films together, comparing and contrasting. This time we're looking at Daisies, a Czech new wave film directed in 1966 by Vera Chitilova. And we are comparing and contrasting with Celine and Julie Go Boating, a 1974 film uh, directed by Jacques Rivette, also a key player in the French new wave. When we look at films that we're looking at together, often they are kind of very similar in theme or they've got some other thing in common. And we decided to look at these two together, I think partly because of a misapprehension on my part, in that having seen Daisies but not having seen Celine and Julie, I thought that they were both kind of happy-go-lucky girl friendship films. And it turns out when I watch Celine and Julie go boating that it's something else. But it is still, I think, uh, a, an amazing focus on, on female friendship, as is Daisies. And for me, the connection, I guess, is female friendship above everything else. So mm. certainly in neither film is there a romance or a serious boyfriend for either of the, the women. Um, and it's kind of like our female friendship against the world. So whether that world is a repressive communist regime in uh, 60s uh, Czech, I guess Czechoslovakia at the time, Czechia now, um, or whether that is a kind of a more fantastic kind of alternative haunted timeline in Celine and Julie Go Boating. It's still the main focus of both films is the female friendship and the power of that friendship and also just how kind of weird and funny girls can be when they're young. So that's why we decided to look at the, the, the two of them. Anything to add to that, Gary? Yeah, no, that is spot on. That is spot on. I, I guess I think they're really, really connected by attitude. Um, yeah. And I, but even though they're very different films. So uh, let's look at what makes them different. Okay. And we're going to kick off uh, with Daisies. So, as I mentioned, uh, Daisies, Czech New Wave film from 1966. It stars Jitka Cherova as Marie One. I should say both the women in this, their characters' names are Marie. So Marie One, who is dark-haired Marie, as I've called her, and Ivana Karbanova as Marie Two, who is red-haired Marie. I'm really not going to bother naming any of the other cast members. They don't matter a jot. This film is all about these two. Gary, what's it about? Okay, so I'm going to try and do <laughs> yeah, the plot. The plot with heavy inverted commas. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna... Plot is not really the issue for daisies, is it? Uh, here goes. Okay. There are two women. They are both called Marie. They eat fruit from a magical tree. They flirt and go on dates with men, but sabotage the dates and mock the men and ditch them. And they eat. They go to an old-timey dance and get drunk and annoy everyone. And they eat. Uh, the blonde Marie, or is it redhead, attempts suicide by gas but leaves the window open. They con people, mainly men, out of food and laugh, and they eat. Ditch another man at a station, this time by boarding the train and leaving him there. And they mock. And they laugh. And they eat. 
After arguing about everything and nothing, bathing in milk and attacking each other with scissors, they board a dumb waiter and find themselves in a banquet room full of food, but no people. Guess what they do here? Then they swing from a chandelier and fall into a lake and get helped out, but fall back in and say they do not wish to be spoilt brats anymore. Lindsay, what's wrong with this picture? Well, I think you've done a good uh, summation of that. And I know when we first spoke about this and the first time Mm. I saw daisies, you were very keen to do it and I was very anti doing it because I said to you, it's not weird, it's surreal. And those are those are different yeah, things. Yeah, However, yeah. having seen it a second time and having agreed to do it, I do think it is weird. And it's 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 not just surreal. There's a there's a point at the beginning where they say this is right near the start. So you've got to remember 1966, uh Czech film from 1966, they are part of the Soviet Union. It's just two years before the big clampdown where the Soviet Union invades exactly. Czechoslovakia. This is a repressive regime. This is a time also when food is scarce. Yeah. Um, and so right at the start, dark-haired Marie says, this world is all bad. We're going to be bad too. And that's what drives the film. It's the theme of destruction yeah. kind of all the way through, but done in this very kind of light-hearted way. Um, right from the opening credits, the images kind of alternate between a kind of big mechanical wheel with cogs that's going mm. around and... Bombs, warfare. The the soundtrack is made up uh, over the credits of either silence uh, or a kind of vague militaristic music and marching music. So right from the start, this film is saying to you, we are. This is not just surreal. This is a political statement, and I'm sure people who know more about surrealism than I do will say surrealism is it's always a political. political. <laughs> it's always political. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But certainly in in this one, the film to me doesn't feel just surreal because there is. It's more like satire, I guess. There is a satirical mm. point to everything um, that's uh, being said. Uh, the first few of the women, right, right from the start, there are. Images and sounds in this film that will kind of blow your mind. So we see these these, these women. Uh, I think at this point they're wearing bikinis, and they move their arms and they creak like yeah, they are yeah. rusty robots, Got rusty dolls. Yeah. Um, the film is in black and white and color. Sometimes in black and white with red, purple, green, yellow, Tint, or orange monochrome. Fil- filters. Yep. yep. Um, it's just odd from start yep. to finish. Yeah, absolutely. That is spot on. It, it's. Why I love it and why it fills with this sort of delight from the moment it starts, I think, is because I, 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 was, I was massive. I mean, my big love from my teenage years was punk. And for me, it's, as well as all the context it has about rebellion against communism, totalitarianism, uh, the Soviets, the Czech regime at the time, and the patriarchy, it's anarchy. Yeah. But anarchy that is also fun. Anarchy in the CZ. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but punk was fun. Punk was not just dour and violent and angry. Punk made had vibrant colours and extraordinary personalities and made records you could sing along to. And, uh, and of course, incredible clothes and brilliant haircuts. These girls have fantastic clothes and great haircuts. The film is a riot of colour. Um, and and as you say, and then it slams to black and white and then it slams to tilted monochrome. It's full of fun 
amazing imagery. But what it kind of has in common with punk rock is its protagonists are amoral. They are not there to make worthy comments about war is bad or men are bad Mm -hmm. or we're we're caring, you know, we're better because we're women. They're there to piss everybody off. And they're pissing everybody off with laughter and mockery. Yeah, and and, it, and they don't care, and, and they, they don't, don't care, care that they're pissing yeah. everybody off. And, and we that's don't they, care. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, I should mention, and you know, to, to our uh, presumed, uh, you know, we should we should feel ashamed at this, but this is maybe the twentieth or twenty second recording that we've made. And it's the first film that we've looked at by it's a bad. female director. It's bad. And it's bad. But um we hope to make up for that. <laughs> um and also, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make the most of, of this film because it is an absolutely amazing film. But I think it's no coincidence that this is a female director and that these girls just wanna have fun. Um and so while there is a political background, there is a, 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 a surreal surreality uh, to it, as you say, this is a very fun film. Mm. And partly that's to do with the food, and 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 you mentioned that the I think there's food in possibly every scene, yeah. right from the start, right from when they pick those apples, and you know, watch out, they're eating apples. Does that remind you yeah, of anything yeah, in yeah, the history exactly. of exactly. history of fairy tales? So they're they're eating these apples, and right from the start, there's food, and there there is this particular kind of taboo, I think, about about women and f- yeah. and, and food, yes. and to see in 1966 women wholeheartedly enjoying this food. Uh, it really reminded me in, in some ways of, um, if anyone remembers the original Wurzel Gummidge that was on TV all those years back, and Una wow. Stubbs played an Aunt Sally character, yeah. and whenever she had cake, she would ram it in her face, <laughs> God, ram it in her face, that. and that's eat it like an reference. absolute gannet, with just cake all over her face. And that's what these women remind me of. They've got a, a joy in, yeah. in eating, and in overeating, and in how they use food. And this was at a time where, as I said, Food was scarce yeah. in uh, in Czechoslovakia of the of the time, and so the, it's this it's this added piquancy that that the audience is is seeing. Uh, this film was banned. Yes, um, Vera Chitlova herself was kind of unofficially blacklisted and and didn't didn't work for a yes. while. Well, this film was banned for depicting wantonness, and there is a <laughs> wanton excess. There is a sexual freedom to it, but I think they banned it for the food. Because I think the food. Oh well, not to mention the fact the fact that as well as the I guess wanton waste of food, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that and the fact that of course you know even the most dumbass Czech authorities would look at this film and go, "You're having a pop, yeah, <laughs> you're having a pop at all of us. Uh, you are laughing at us. You are making a mockery of how we run society." Um, there's a scene where they, uh, you know, after um, cutting each other up, which is a brilliant mm. piece of special effects. Yeah, we'll come does. on to that. Yeah. It was just fantastic. Um, they very, uh, you know, the camera pans in as they cut up a bunch of sausages. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it's great. not I the mean, most subtle imagery, but, but in 1966, I'm not sure I anyone had done it. I think it's I think it's great. And I, I do, 
<clears throat> so it's not just sausages, and then they cut them up with scissors. So red-haired Marie has a pair of scissors. She's cutting up sausages. The other one has what looks like a ski stick or a spear, <laughs> and she's spearing pickles out of a jar and then eating them. So yeah. this this food is a real rebellion to them. And yes, yes. the anti-feminist, anti-authoritarian—sorry, the feminist anti-authoritarian <laughs> kind of patina to this film. You don't, as you say, you don't have to look hard to see. But I love. I love that that joy that they take, partly in being together, partly in in duping men. Mm. So dark-haired Marie, I guess, is possibly the more traditionally kind of cutesy little button-faced one. And she's the one generally who is on the date with the men, the various men that they have who take them, it looks like, to to the same restaurant. Yeah, Yeah, it looks like it. And and so red-haired Marie turns up in the middle is like, oh, hi. Didn't know you were going to be here. Sits down and proceeds to stuff her face on this man's dime, and he's always he's always quite nonplussed. There's a scene later on where actually the so normally dark haired Marie is in the middle, red haired Marie is at the left, the guys mm. at the right. Mm. There's a scene later on where the guy is in the middle and he's got a Marie either side. So this presumably was a a, a planned double date, and they're both wearing polka dot dresses. This is one of the black and white sequences. They both kiss him at the same time on the cheek, and their dresses change. Oh, so before yeah, they've had small yeah, polka dots, yeah, now they've yeah. got massive polka dots. So it's a really quick cut and it, it looks yeah. really amazing. So there's a real kind of cinematic joy as well. I think it's really worth pointing out at, at this point. This is an astonishing piece of technical filmmaking. Uh, you don't be fooled that because we're saying it's avant-garde, because it's scrappy, because it's protest film or, or anarchistic or whatever, that this is just like, looks like low budget sort of chaos. No, it is stunning. It's full of amazing special effects. It looks utterly gorgeous. Um, Mm. And she's cast two actresses who are effortlessly charismatic. The the camera adores them. Mm. And um, it's, this is not, this, I mean, apart from the fact that it's quite short. um, So, you know, you're not being asked. 77 minutes. 77 minutes. So you're not being asked to invest hours and hours, uh, as you so often are with with art house movies. Um, And we'll come to that later. Um, You, it is really, really entertaining. Unless, of course, you are someone who finds girls behaving badly really really distressingly annoying. It's one of my favourite things. I think, <laughs> I think there should be more of it. The world would be a better place if more girls behave badly. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, eat what they want. And, I, you know, I'm going to try not to bang on about punk, but but I, I watched this movie and I just, I, I think of the slits and I think of mm. the raincoats and I think of Delta 5 and I think of X-Ray Specs. And I think of all of those bands that flowered out of punk and post-punk that were... Not just girls behaving badly, but that were also attempting to find a kind of rhythm in rock that wasn't masculine. Mm. They were trying to play their instruments in a way that was feminine. And this is filmmaking, which is trying to find a way of making film, a rhythm to it, a look to it, a feel to it which is the opposite of the male gaze mm. that had dominated cinema from its inception. Yeah. And this is this is the point of the the pickles and the sausages and in that same scene where they're playing with scissors, they cut out a steak from a magazine and they eat it. <laughs> and these girls are just hungry. They're hungry for food and they're hungry for fun. They hungry don't, for change. 
hungry for change and you know that's a that's a dangerous message in 1966 as as they all find out to their to their um to their cost yeah and um, uh, there, there was there's a great quote uh, that vera um Chisilova made about herself in an interview um they asking about the attitude that she brings to her filmmaking and she said i'm an overheated kettle that you can't turn down <laughs> and that right there is my dream aim that's what i'm going to be from now on i'd love to, i'd love to be that and uh, that but that kind of um that overheated is really great there's because there's a, a, a conversation between the two of them i can't remember which marie starts it but one says can't you smell it the other one says what the other one says how volatile life is it's just lovely that's isn't it? poetry man that is poetry I, and you can really hear obviously and see the the, the influence it took from the French New Wave and, yeah. and particularly the kind of Godardian side of it because because the the if you love those movies they're full of those kind of lines you know uh, characters say these brilliant kind of philosophical bon mots you know yeah, yeah. Uh, you know when other people would be saying you know do you want a cup of tea dear sort of yeah. thing and and it definitely nabs a bit of that attitude you know they 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 just say these amazing yeah. things every now and again and then they just go to gibberish yeah and both are fine yeah. Yeah, and it's a very anarchic film. You mentioned you mentioned punk, and we'll come on to the, the end. I mean, the, the 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 banquet that they you mention when you say, "What do you think they do there?" Well, you might be surprised what they do there. Yeah, but it's, it's, and we'll come on to that. I don't want to I don't want to say too much about that now because I think we'll we'll devote a bit of time to that. And it's it's wonderful, but it's got an anarchy that's Marx Brothers. Yeah, in its yeah, intensity, of course and it is. you know, of course it is the Marx for Brothers. me, there is no higher uh, accolade than. It reminds me a bit of the I Marx Brothers. I cannot believe that I didn't think of the Marx Brothers, but as soon as you said it, I'm thinking duck soup. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the sound design in this film, I think, is so is so great. It's just, um, there's typewriters. There's no, there's not a typewriter in the film, but the soundtrack has typewriters, has doorbells, machine beeps, creaks. These are all kind of part of part of the film. And I guess it's, it's all part of that the mechanization of of society the the mechanization of warfare uh, potentially all of these it, it, you can read into it kind of all kinds of things so at its heart i think you could show this film to some 5 year olds some 5 year olds and they would have a really good time with it i absolutely agree that's the amazing thing about it isn't it it, it to have made something which is is a kind of a benchmark of 60s rebellion which in, includes Things like an anti-war message, and you know, and and uh, you know, the symbolic castration of men, and go. Mm, but if you showed it to a bunch of five-year-olds, all they'd see is two girls that look a bit like child, uh, children's entertainers jumping up and yeah. down, being silly. Yeah, and uh, it it would work equally yeah. on that level. And what an amazing thing to pull off! Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think it's called Daisies? Um, <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Um, God, I, I, I do. I have a theory. I guess I guess I think of the girls of the daisies, uh, but I don't know yeah. what that means. Really. I, was, I was thinking that as well. I mean, in the literal sense, uh, Marie too, the redhead, often wears a kind of crown of daisies on her on her head. True. But I, I think there's something about in in a world where agriculture was mechanised, where you know wheat prices or potato yields were key. For, you know, if you believe what you what you read about the communist years, obviously I don't know that first mm. first hand. Where agriculture is <clears throat> seen as being useful, mm. daisies are prevalent. 
They're pretty. They come back year after year. They serve no practical purpose. But they're there and they're important. Nice, nice. And again, you oh, and and it's immediate memory. Think of um, the Sex Pistols and um, God Save the Queen, and probably the the key line about what what John Lydon and, and Punk was trying to say uh, is the one that says, "We are flowers in the dustbin." Yeah. Wow. That that's what he was saying. The youth. Yeah. Today's youth were. Wow, that's a great connection. I'd never made that connection. Yeah, I don't know. That's just occurred to me. Um, I have no idea whether John Lyon or anybody else was around the Sex Pistols had seen Daisies. Although I'd be kind of surprised if Malcolm McLaren and Viv West was having considered yeah. what they were into. But but um, there's something about that film that connects more with, despite the fact that it's 1966, that connects more with situationism and therefore punk, 70s punk culture than with hippie culture. Mm. And I, I, yeah. I guess that's why I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Here's my next question for you. Mm, I didn't dear. give, I didn't give you any uh, warning of these. So uh, think on your feet. Think on your feet. Think on your feet. <laughs> Do you think is there a pattern to the black and white and the colour? Do they mean different things when they appear? Um. I I don't know. Uh, I guess is my answer. I when I kind of see that kind of thing in a movie, I and particularly in something like Daisy, I think I, I think to myself, what the filmmaker really wants here is is don't don't be a passive viewer. Mm, yeah. Don't okay. be a passive viewer and just lie there and let this wash over you. I'm going to keep doing things to make you keep watching, to make you pay attention, to make you refocus. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that's the way I see it. But it may have a, a much more a symbolism that you've yeah. worked out. Lindsay. No, 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 not not at all. I couldn't I couldn't see a pattern on the second viewing. I I couldn't see that means that and that means that. Maybe there is one. I didn't I didn't pick up on it. But um, can we come to the to the banquet scene because yeah. that starts off in black and white, and Marie one breaks a glass and then it's a riot of colour. Yeah. So as as you say, they're in a I don't know, it's a hotel or a, a concert or something, because they pass they go up in their dumb waiter and they're yeah. passing the various floors as they go up in their dumb waiter. And they see like a full orchestra playing in this <laughs> concert hall. So I don't know if we're meant to think I, I was immediately thinking, is this a Western or- orchestra and therefore the banquet is for them that, you know, yeah. normal ordinary Czech people would not have access to this. That's that's just what I, I took from that. So they go into this into this big room and having been hungry throughout the film and they've sated their hunger as much as they could. Mm. But these girls, they are insatiable, not for sex, but for food and for fun. And they see this banquet and it's all laid out. Yeah. And so there's there's a there's a, a kind of set table in the middle that has the plates and the cutlery and the glasses on it, but the food is all off to one side on a kind of separate buffet table. And it's everything. I mean, a 60s idea of what nice food would be. So it's like stuffing aspic and stuffing sauce. And I mean, it looks pretty yucky, but there's tons of it. And it looks, to, to their eyes, it looks absolutely delicious. And so they start off with, um, it's just pick little bits and pieces and then they won't know that we're there. They won't mm. know that we've been there. So they're eating kind of little olives off a plate or they're taking like something off a massive platter and rearranging it so it won't look like it's missing. And then they just, Marie too, I think it is, the redhead, picks up a chicken and just kind of tears it apart and starts mm. starts 
um, eating the chicken. Marie one, the dark haired one, picks up a sauce boat and drinks it. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a goblet. She's yeah. just drinking sauce out of the, uh, the, the, the jug. And then it, everything gets let loose and they're piling up their plates. They're digging into this food. And this goes on for, for a fair bit. And then Marie one is eating a massive slice of cake. I mean, the size of a brick. She's just got this slice of cake that she's ramming in her face like Aunt Sally. And the other one says, my cake's better than your cake and throws some cake at her. Yeah. And then that lets loose just the biggest food fight yes. you have ever seen. Yes. Yes. I. I oh, yeah. No, you're doing a great job of describing this background. <laughs> I can't do it any more justice than that. It's... It's 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 a beautiful chaos, and mm. I I just want to sort of big up um, Jitka Sahova and Ivana Karbanova because um, the the commitment they show to this whole thing, yeah, it, it, and it really really comes together in this scene in particular of like you just sort of, so the director you just imagine the director going so you're gonna. Drink all this stuff from a sauce boat and you're going to pick up the chicken and ram the whole thing in your mouth. Yeah. Like, okay. And these two girls going, yeah, sounds cool. Yeah. We can yeah. have fun with that. Yeah. And there's there's a point where, the, you know, they're, they're eating the food and then they discover the booze <laughs> and you just know it's all going to go downhill from there. And to me, it's like the theme throughout the film is destruction. Mm. So whether that's state-sponsored destruction through war mm. or whether it's individual destruction of these patriarchal systems that have been set up or literal destruction of, of food. Of, in a banquet table. Yeah, yeah of, of magazines when they cut them up because their whole apartment is covered in collages like, like Joe Orton um, and Kenneth Halliwell yeah, yeah, did yeah. with the books. Or just these not a spare white space, nothing but collages. So they've cut up all these magazines. They continue to cut up magazines and eat the steak. So it's just destruction all the way through. Yeah. That's, that's that, what they're that, that situationist, in order to create, you must destroy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It? And it's, it's just, it's it's the best, one. Of, well, certainly one of the best visual depictions of that. I, I think so. I, I just, it's so joyful. And I think especially... I mean, I wouldn't show that to a five-year-old at a birthday party because you're going <laughs> yeah, to get chaos. You're going to have mayhem. You're going to have right. chaos. And that's, right. the, that's the power of cinema is like, that looks like such fun. Wouldn't you love to be in that room? And yeah. then they have, a, they have a kind of model show using the table as a runway and they're just standing on all this food. They're wearing yeah. kind of yeah. high heels, not yeah. like stiletto high heels, but, but high heels, 60s high heels. You just think, God, I wonder if they were holding on to something because we see their feet. Yeah, um, we see them at feet level. Cameras at feet level, and we see them walking along this this table. Might not like, have even have been like the models. Same. True, the same women, probably not. Yeah, second unit. Yeah, all that. Yeah, um, but they're standing on chickens and they're walking in a kind of moosey looking platters, and they're they're just. I mean, why aren't they slipping and falling? I don't know, yeah. but it just looks amazing. And as you say, at the end, they're left with this carnage, this chaos. All the all the glasses are in pieces. All the plates are in pieces. There's food detritus all over the place, and they're like, "Let's just tidy up." So they're putting all these dog ends of food onto one plate. I mean, it looks terrible. They're putting the the the, the broken up plates together. They're kind of putting the pieces together to make a vague round shape. Um, and at this point, they're wearing kind of newspapers because their clothes yeah. are all covered in food. They're wearing jumpsuits made of newspapers and string. I don't know where they came from. Yep. It doesn't matter. It, and it doesn't matter. Um, and that's when they start, they will be good, we'll be good, we'll be good yeah. kind of thing. Their version of being end. good is, is again, it's like naughty children who just don't get the rules. Yeah. And they, they've heard that there are rules, rules 
And they've heard that good people follow rules. Yeah, but they don't really understand what the (laughs) rules are because they don't really understand what they're for. (laughs) And and, and that, again, is is the attitude of the film. It's like, it's... I mean, there are so many great protest films that have been made, and and but but there's something about Daisies which is very few protest films have have joy. Yeah, they're they're there to convince you actually that protest is really really hard work, mm. and, and but worthy, uh, very worthy, but very very hard work. You you will be repressed. You it will be boring. You will be you you will. Go on marches and be beaten down by the police, and 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 it will all be shit. Yeah, um, that might be real, but there is something about watching a film that says that protest, that that coming out of society, that rebellion, is the most joyful thing that you could possibly yeah. imagine, and that is Daisy's power, I think, as well as. Yeah, I'll be I'll be blatantly honest about it. Uh, it, it just it's visceral rejection of men, it, which mm. is just so much fun. Yeah, it, like it, it's it's not a world without men, but it's a world where the, where the only way men are represented really in any real sense is either as dupes or war or warmongers. Yeah. Yeah. And but the warmongers, you know, we don't get to, you know, we're not going they're not going to spend any time waste their time mm. having actual pe- soldiers saying things. Um they they're just going to show. Yeah. War. Yeah. And, and I was just I was just reminded, do you remember um a friend of mine who I will remain nameless but uh we needed something carrying out uh, like something heavy carrying out and I went up to do it and uh, she pointed to uh you and uh, her boyfriend at the time. And she said to me, sit down. That's why men are born. And I think she would heartily approve. <laughs> I think she would heartily approve of daisies. I must show it to her, actually. That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> what a brilliant. I remember that. And that's, yeah, no, that's funny. That's funny. So, yes. uh, having said that daisies is, is fun, and I'm going to slightly wrap it up so we can move on yes, to the, I think to the so. film. It's, it's, a, it's 77 minutes. But it's 77 minutes of chaos. Yeah. And I don't think I could have watched another 10 minutes of it, to no. be honest. It's no. it's full-on chaos. Um, but it's a short film. Yeah. Celine and Julie Go Boating <laughs> comes in at a massive 3 hours, 13 minutes. It's the opposite end of the scale. Yes. It feels like that's an appropriate length. I think these are two films of an, of an appropriate length. Yeah. Daisy's is good that it's short. Celine and Julie Go's Absolutely spot it's on. Good that Absolutely it's spot on. And 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 how how unusual is that? You know, it, it for the most part short. I don't find shorts very satisfying, particularly. Well, there's some good ones, mm-hmm. but I'm, I just don't find them long enough to be satisfying or detailed enough. And I find films over two and a half hours generally really annoying, mm-hmm. um, and probably wish they'd stop now. Um, with these two films, I do not feel that. Yeah. Any of them. Okay. Um, are we going to do our? Are we going to do our um, um, judgments on um, daisies now, or are no, we going to do at them both end. at the end? Okay, okay. Don't fine. Do so we're going to move on to Celine and Julie go boating. Uh, directed in 1974 by Jacques Rivette, 
who pretty much was instrumental in starting the uh, French New Wave, along with uh, Truffaut and Godard and Chabrol and all the others. Um, it stars Juliette Berthaud as Céline, Dominique Labourie as Julie, Boulle Augier as Camille, Marie-France Pizier as Sophie, and Barbette Schroeder as Olivier. Tell us about the plot, Gary. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> <sighs> plot in inverted commas. Okay. Celine and Julie are a magician and a librarian who meet accidentally and are drawn to each other to the point where they share clothes, ideas and their entire personalities as they embark upon an adventure mystery seemingly based in a parallel universe which they appear to be able to enter and leave whenever they feel like it. They are the observers alongside us of a film within a film involving a murder in a grand but unsettling mansion. Agatha Christie as filtered through French surrealism. So, Lindsay, <laughs> what's wrong with this that's picture? A, that's a really good summary, actually. I think it, it's it's a film that's very hard to define. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mentioned I hadn't seen it before um, and had quite a different idea of what it was. Uh, but when I, when I watched it uh, this week, it, when it first started... And there's there's quite a long scene. It's a, it's a meet cute, and it's a meet cute mm. between two women, mm. and you kind of think it's in a way it's such a nice meet cute. It would be a shame to waste it on a heterosexual romance, you know, that, <laughs> that you would normally see. So this is a, this is a meet cute for a for a female friendship, but it goes on for quite a long time, and it's yeah. like fifteen twenty minutes before they even say a word to each other. Yeah. So what happens is that Julie, uh, the librarian, is sitting in a square. Celine passes her, drops her sunglasses. Julie decides to pick him up and is chasing after her saying, you know, hello, hello, you dropped your sunglasses. Mm. Celine is uh, resolutely ignoring her. And this turns into a bit of a chase. Yeah. So at one point they are running, like Celine is running away from Julie and drops a scarf that mm. Julie also picks up. At one point Celine turns round and Julie holds the scarf up in front of her face uh, as if hiding from her. <laughs> Celine gets in a funicular. <laughs> yes. Julie starts racing up the stairs, keeping pace with a funicular and the chase kind of continues at the top so it's not actually until the next morning that they say a word to each other and the words are Julie says to Celine you dropped this miss (laughs) and Celine says thank you sir (laughs) 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 so right from the start again there's this kind of surrealist something's not not quite um, not quite right and it's very much like a, a courtship um, rather rather than a friendship yes so there's no real dialogue for about 20 minutes and then after about an hour, when I was thinking, mm, the hours of this wacky friendship, it's mm. going to feel like quite a... The film changes tack entirely. Yeah. And then there's this separate track, whether it's parallel universe, whether it's time travel, whether it's something else yeah. entirely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just odd. And then they spend their time trying to solve this mystery. And how they, how they access this mystery is they go to this, this house yep. and get let in and they, they, they act as the nanny to this family, which is a father, uh, a young daughter who's maybe eight, uh, the sister of his dead wife and another friend. I don't know really who she is, but mm. these two women both have designs on the father um, and Celine and Julie alternately are there as the nanny to kind of watch what's going on and try to try to solve this puzzle. When they're out of the house, they can re-enter the house through kind of a sweetie. So they, they get given a sweetie in the in the house. <coughs> when they come out of the house, they take the sweetie out of their mouth and this sweetie is the portal. So I was wondering, I mean, is that like an acid reference or a drug reference? It of could be. It could be, mm. Lindsay. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think one of the things to, to point out about this is, is that it's... So a lot of people read the film as it's it's 
like a love letter to cinema because what they're really doing is they're turning up in this place and it's actually a film. Mm. It's a film. Uh, and it, so the people who are doing, you know, who are the players in this story are actors. And the story is very much like it's the kind of story that pops up in a movie. And the acting uh, or the way that the players act is soap opera level yeah. acting. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of kind of looking wistfully into the distance, yeah. isn't there, from one woman in particular. So, you know, love letter to cinema or love letter to soap opera. Yeah, call, call, yeah. It, call it whatever you like. And um, and the, even, I, I was going to ask you this. Do you think, because <laughs> at some points I I'm, I'm think yes and some things, times I think no. Do, do these do people even see them, Selena Julie? They do at the start because they interact with them, don't they? they um, yeah. And then at the end, when they both decide to go in and both play the nanny, and it's like a French farce where one appears and then the other <laughs> one comes out the other door dress, also dressed as a nanny. Um, they do see them at the start, but then towards the end, the people in this house are are grey. You see their faces yeah, are grey. Yeah. And that seems to be, they understand at that point that they can do whatever they like and they don't get seen. Because, of course, there's the same thing happens. It's a repetition, and that's another mm. key thing about the film. Every time you go in this this house... Roughly the same thing happens, but we're getting it a slightly earlier point or a slightly later point. We're seeing fragments of what this whole story is. Yeah. And we only see the whole story um, kind of towards the end. But we see these fragments. So there is this kind of script. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Julie, especially when they both go in at the end, Julie keeps forgetting her lines and she's in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> and these people do not seem to notice. So there's a certain, yeah, kind of metaphysical aspect to it. But I think one of the key things about it is is... Again, if we come back to that friendship, just how interchangeable they are. Mm. So the first time that Julie goes to the house, mm. she's wearing the shoes that Celine wore before. You know me, mm. I noticed shoes. And these yeah, were yeah. red-soled shoes. I don't know if you noticed them. They've got a red wedge, yeah. white shoes with a red wedge. So Julie's wearing those. At one point, Celine pretends to be Julie uh, by meeting a kind of childhood cousin of hers that, that they haven't seen each other in 20 years. She puts on a Julie wig pretends she's Julie mm. and basically sends this guy running for the hills by telling them he should masturbate in a bush and so kind of destroying any possibility of romance for Julie. Yeah. She's kind of done that. Yeah. Celine is a magician and we see her act. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> pretty rubbish. Yeah. But when Celine is kind of trapped in the time travel house, Julie has to pretend to be the magician and, she's, and, and so she puts on those clothes. So there's all that kind of... I was left... One of the questions I wrote down was, does a personality only belong to one person or have these women somehow got a kind of shared personality? Yeah, I think because this is where the ending comes in, isn't it? And I, I know we haven't even done the second part of the yeah. plot yet. So yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I'm still a bit in doubt as to whether we blow the ending and spoil the ending or whether we don't. Um, because it's, it's quite key because it, this is very much, it's now become quite a big thing in sci-fi and horror both parallel universes, um, as in everything, everywhere, all at once, and time loops mm. and looped time. And, and you know, the thing that Groundhog Day popularised, it now gets repeated yeah, over and over yeah. again in a horror movie and a romance movie and this and that and the other. And this is kind of pre-Groundhog Day. Um, and at the end of the movie, um, 
you know, without going into lots of detail, the heavy implication is this is all going to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And, and absolutely. But, and again, without trying to spoil it completely, the opposite way round. Yeah. Um, and I, a lot of people who who are really into this film, and I, and I, I kind of go with this, say that it, its heaviest influence isn't movies. Its heaviest influence is Lewis Carroll and mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland. And that, in first time round, um, Celine is the white rabbit, and Julie is yeah. Alice. Yeah. And you know the sweeties are references to the yeah, eat you know, me, drink the, me, eat yeah. me, drink me, etc. And the the mention you know is is the rabbit hole. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's the whole of a magical land that they you know they go into. And and I I mean I really love it. And I don't know how deliberate that was in Rivette's part, but uh, it really when I kind of read that and then watched the film again. The film made more sense to me. Yeah, as as a kind of yeah, just saying that I can a see retelling that does, yeah. of Alice in Wonderland, and uh, and but in a a post sixties world, I suppose is the only way I can put it. Yeah, but in a kind of magic and witchy world, you know, there's lots yeah. of cats yeah. for no reason. Uh, lots of cats in this film, and Julie is kind of the librarian. She's um, although she's not the magician, and mm. Celine is the magician. But but Julie reads books on magic and she does the tarot and yeah. um, so there's this there's this kind of mystical link that that they have. Yeah. Um. But but just their 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 friendship as well. It's not it's not really like a detective story. It is it is a story of of a of a friendship and they end up living together. And Celine tells stories. She's a real sto- storyteller. Yeah. So. Oh, I just thought of that. Yeah, Julie, go for it. Julie's the librarian, but is interested in magic. <laughs> Celine's the magician, but tells stories. Yeah, yeah. And so Lovely. again, yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. there's that yeah. kind of opposite, complementary kind of things. But 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 um, Celine's stories, I mean, they're clearly <laughs> just wild fantasies, and she's telling about this uh, um, American friend that she's got, and and she's putting Julie in this place. When she's telling some other friends about Julie, she's really rich. She's American. She's neither of those things. Yeah. Uh, she's got a heart shaped swimming pool, which really uh, uh, Julie doesn't. But they they know these things. They they know they know things about each other. So without being privy to this conversation, and we've had no indication that Celine has told Julie that she said this about her. Mm. Julie bumps into one of these friends and says, "I've got a heart shaped swimming pool." Having had no knowledge of that of that conversation, yeah. and the same the other way around when when they first meet and Celine comes back to uh, Julie's apartment and she goes and has a shower and she's just sitting there and she's been traumatized by being chased out of this house actually for the first time, um, and she's just sitting there and Julie's in the kitchen so they can't see each other. Julie's making some drinks and they're bloody Marys and without seeing this, without knowing this. Celine says, "Oh, I could, just as Julie's coming through the door, I could murder a bloody Mary, which just happens to be the drink that she's <laughs> that she's made." So there's this kind of there, there's something shared between them, and maybe it's like this um, destiny that between them they can solve the mystery, or can they, of what's happening in this house, in this time travel house, and they have a mission, haunted don't mansion. They, they have, have a mission. mission, and they're kind of destined to come together. It's only the two of them together who can solve this mission. Yeah, and I guess um, you know uh, that sort of makes me think of Mulholland Drive and 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 the whole idea that you know in that 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 in the beginning of the movie um, the the way that um, uh, Diane um, Diana D 
defines herself in her dream is that she and Rita, in inverted commas, have a mission. Yeah. And they have a they have a crime or a mystery to solve. And that that and so I don't know how much David Lynch was a fan of Celine and Julie or even if he saw it. But oh, it's surely it's, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, it's because I think we should point out this was a this was a really successful art French art house movie. Mm. This considering its length, uh, considering its oddness, this was this was a moneymaker and was by some length Rivette's most popular film. And, you know, for some, some critics, you know, um, Jonathan Rosenbaum, for example, called it, you know, the, the best film about female friendship. Mm. And um, I sort of looked at that and I thought, uh, tell me, Louise. But anyway, um, but, you know, he, he's got a point. He's yeah. got a valid point. Maybe it is. Um, and the contrast, I think, with Daisy's or the biggest one, before we get on to the second part of the plot, um, and you can decide for me whether it's going to have a spoiler or not, Lindsay, um, is that there are sort of human dimensions to Celine and Julie's mm. friendship. It, it's Their friendship is touching. They have a morality. Yeah. They have a mission. Uh, yes, they're naughty and mischievous <clears throat> and they make each other laugh. They make us laugh. And, you know, they wind men up uh, in a few cases. But where that, that amorality, that almost kind of complete fuck you uh, that Daisy's has, mm. It, no, this is not what Selena no. and Julie are. They um, have a, they have a humanitarian mission in the they end. They have don't a they? humanitarian mission. It's to save the girl. Yeah, and um, you know it. It's that gives it a roundedness that Daisy's doesn't have. Um, but it's long. Yeah, it is. It's long. It is long. It is long. I think. I mean, are we? Do you want to finish the plot and then we'll go Shall on to, to to talk more about that? Compare okay. and contrast with Daisy's. Okay then. Um, well, um, I, would, I would say no spoilers. No spoilers. Okay, then. In a pre-Groundhog Day-style time loop, every time our heroines enter the mansion, a little girl ends up murdered. Their mission is to rewrite write time and save the girl. Or is it? Because the ending suggests that all this simultaneously did not happen at all and is set to happen again. Yeah. And both may be true. And, <laughs> and both, both may, may be true. true. And I, I think, um, yeah, it's... Once, for me, once I got past that first hour... I was fully pulled into this world and so that the three hours 13 did not seem like too long because it feels like this is a world that's that's worth exploring. I think if we're looking at the two films together, if we're kind of on the, the, the track to bring them together, the friendship in Daisies seems to me to be more real. Yeah. Um, Celine and Julie, I think perhaps... The 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 subplot, the main plot, actually gets in the way of 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 perhaps what their what their friendship is. But what they both share is that absurdist sense of humour. Yeah, and both films do have their yeah. do have their Absurdity. funny bits. Yeah, uh, for sure. And also that there's no boyfriends. There's yeah. no boyfriends nope. in either one. And and nope. the, the 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 main relationship always is the is the two female characters at the centre of it. And in neither one of them is there a suggestion. Uh, maybe in Celine and Julie, do you think there's a suggestion of of a kind of romance between the two? But certainly, it's not true in Daisy's. I would say I'm not sure, Lindsay. To be honest, I'm not sure because I, I I think it could be and it couldn't be. But I do think the best films about female friendship point out and and kind of do a good job of depicting this idea that women are capable of having friendships where they are very intimate with each other physically, without it necessarily meaning having sex or falling in love. Yeah. Um, which is something that men are nowhere near as good at. Yeah. Uh, on the whole. And um, men are more embarrassed about 
the whole idea that someone might accuse them of being gay. Yeah. Uh, women are not, you know, even gay men, I, I don't think are as huggy and kissy and feely um, as, as women are with each other once they bond. And I think the best films kind of have that thing where you're watching um, a, a, a platonic romance. Yeah. I think I think I think that's true. I saw this thing online that really kind of resonated with me, where you know some man actually accidentally touches another man's elbow, and he's like, "Oh, bro, bro!" Whereas women are in a in a toilet saying to perfect strangers, "Look at my new bra." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And uh, and I, I think the friendship in in Celine and Julie, the friendship in Daisies is liberating for me to watch, and and f- so much fun. The friendship between Celine and Julie is one I believe more. Uh, I think it's, and I think it's kind of adorable. And I think the film that pays most direct homage to Celine and Julie is actually Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah, uh, good one. Madonna's first film, her film debut, um, if, which follows the the same idea uh, in a shorter, sharper, uh, yeah. a more poptastic kind of way, that um, of the exciting bohemian free-spirited girl who fascinates someone who is plainer and who is an, an apparently more normal and apparently more repressed and definitely shyer and who's who pulls an adventurous streak out of that girl and makes her realize that she's as up for adventure yeah and being liberated as her more apparently yeah uh, liberated friend and and i think that's what makes both those films so charming. Yeah, absolutely. I saw Desperately Seeking Susan again recently yeah, and I, I thought, thought it stood up actually. Really it stood up stands really well. up. Really stands up. And to the point where you watch it and think, or, or I did, you know, it's it's now a matter of kind of legend that, you know, Madonna's film career is over and it, and it kind of just got worse and worse and worse. And, and I, I was watching Desperately Seeking Susan and thinking, how did yeah. she, was she not as, as big as a film star as she yeah. was as a, as a pop star? And Maybe because she could play herself and she couldn't really play anybody else. That is the answer. I mm. mean, that is the answer. In the same way that the only good David Bowie performance is The Man Who Fell to Earth, where he is just David Bowie. Um, the, the only great Madonna mm. performance is Desperately Sick Susan, where she's just playing Madonna. Yeah. And um, But she, they're both fantastic in that movie. And Madonna is such a star. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're talking yeah, about yeah, another yeah. movie yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great movie. Absolutely. Uh, but back to uh, Celine and uh, Julie go boating. So apparently the, the, the phrase go boating means to kind of have the wool pulled over your eyes or to get lost in a, in a fiction. So it's a slang as well. Nice. Although it's uh, referenced kind of quite literally at the end when they are um, no, in, boating. in a yes. boat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you get the sense that this is a real world that they're operating in then? I mean, oh. apart from the apart from the, the the time travel thing, is is their world sufficiently literally real? I think I think we've we're watching a few films recently that that point out the fact that no movie operates in the real world. Mm. They, they operate mm. in movie world. They mm. operate in movie world. They're movies. Um, the ones that don't are documentaries. And I, even then, you know, I even then I would. Um, question the veracity of documentaries because you know there's a hell of a lot of editing and they come from one person's yeah. subjective point of view in the end. So I was just aware no. there I was actually mooing in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, I, I, did that, I do think that's an approving way. Of, uh, yeah, no. So, um, so I'll take that as a compliment. Um, uh, when you start barring, um, then um, yeah, no. Um, I so no. Um, but then I'd say the same about Ken Loach's Kez. Yeah. 
or I don't know, what's the most social realist? Uh, you know, any Mike Lee film you want to name. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any of them uh, exist in an authentic real world. Um, if I want to exist in an authentic real world, I'll put off the film and I'll walk out to the street. <laughs> okay. Well, how about we, uh, <laughs> on that bombshell. On that bombshell, yeah. <laughs> how about we look to, 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 to round this off? Okay. All so right. let's look at... Um, scores for both Daisies and uh, Celine and Julie. Yeah, and I'm. You're going so good to at this. What 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 symbol are we using? I'm trying to I'm trying to think of something that's inherent to both. Wow, something that's inherent to both. Let's say sweeties because there's lots of food in ah, Daisies and the one. sweeties nice, are, are a nice. key. You always to... come up with something. Well, that's really you. good. <laughs> All right then. Cool. Um, so sweeties for quality and for weirdness for Daisies. Um. For quality eight and for weirdness ten, I think I would agree. Quality eight, weirdness ten, and for Celine and Julie, I would say weirdness eight, quality eight. I think I'm torn between. If I had to sit down at some point next week and watch one of them which would I prefer to watch and I think it would very much depend on how I felt at the day yeah I, I, I'm going to give exactly the same amount um, 8 for weird 8 for quality and I really agree with you about which one's the better one you know I, I've given in the end higher marks to daisies um, so have you mm. um, I think daisies is more iconoclastic yeah I but, think I think but, Celine and Julie is maybe the more important film, but Daisy's is the more fun film. That's not bad. Mm. Yeah, because I think we, you know, we, we've managed to establish that you know Celine and Julie has definitely had an influence on two really, really great mm. films. Yeah, at least, um, and that's the, only the ones we can think of. So I probably agree with you. I think Daisies is more of, of those one of those ones that Grail Marcus would sit there and go, hmm, nobody realizes that yeah. punk was in punk was influenced yeah. by Daisies, but in fact it was. Um so yeah, I I I'm probably more likely to watch Daisies for the simple fact that it takes up seventy seven minutes of my time yeah. instead of twenty years. Yeah. yeah. Um but but Celine and Julie's a masterpiece in its its way. It really is. Yeah. It's 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 something that shouldn't work and really does. And particularly because it because it's a guy. Yeah. You know, it's a guy. Yeah. He really did seem to in I don't know, sort of in what's the word? Kind of imagine a woman's world and, and do it in a way where you don't feel it's a patronizing kind yeah. of yeah. Even Thelma and Louise, you feel a little bit kind of like, well, this is a guy's idea, though, of how what women might do in this situation. Whereas Selena Julie doesn't, doesn't Yeah, it? no, that's true. Actually, it does feel a very feminine energy. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. <laughs> and on uh, that note, please go out, eat your fill, make trouble. <laughs> Follow women. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold the last. Have good, have, have good times with all your friends. Till next, Til next time. What's Wrong With This Picture is brought to you by Lindsay McCulloch and Gary Mulholland and is recorded by Russ Keffert at Bordio Egg. 
Music composed and performed by Russ Kevin.